Hello, and welcome to Discover Energy Work. Today, I have a very special guest. Uh, it's Michaela. She's n- Michelle. No. Michelle. Oh, my goodness gracious. I, well, thank you for correcting me straight away. So, um, it's Michelle. She's from Brazil. She's got the most amazing... Uh, she's called Deja Vu Tarot. She's the most amazing um, psychic and tarot reader. And I had a reading yesterday, so I've got to go, wow, like, I'm just bowled over by uh, the reading, which was uh, very good. And I didn't tell her absolutely anything, nothing. So, um, and I'm straight, you know, I've, I've looked into remote viewing and all these kinds of things, and I'm, I'm pretty impressed. So I won't, I, I'll, I probably should, as I generally do, is... Uh, let you introduce yourself but how are you doing today today michelle i am doing very well you know it's a beautiful day and what a lovely way to start the day here having this lovely talk with you so i am doing very very well exactly you're in england aren't you you're you're in uh in hampton I am in Hampton, yes. In England, which is a lovely place. And I'm in Thailand, Chiang Mai, which is another lovely place. Yes. Mm. I think you beat me on that one. More, <laughs> more. Um, so, you know, we talked, actually, you know, I sort of planned to just have a very brief 10-minute talk with you yesterday. And like an hour, an hour and a half later, we were just still talking. And I'm like, okay, we've definitely got lots of material to talk about um, in a podcast. But um, can you like, do you want to give an introduction of like who you are, what you do, first of all, so people can place you somewhere? Sure. Well, I am Michelle Araujo and yes, I am originally from Brazil, but I have been living in the UK for the past 22 years. I am a tarot reader, a psychic, clairvoyant, and that has always been my path but I am also a psychotherapist. So I have two different jobs with uh, very contrasting aspects to each one of them. As a psychic, uh, which is really like my main job, uh, I think the universe wanted it to be that way. I have traveled a lot, you know, to Dubai, Singapore, Japan, and Hong Kong. So we probably have common links in Hong Kong Richard. I and think we probably do, yeah. Yes, we probably I was like disappointed do. I didn't meet you in Hong Kong. I'm like, how did that not happen? Yes. Yes, well, in Hong Kong, I work at Reflections, and I also used to do regions at So Holistic, and is one of my favorite places, Hong Kong. It's like, it was love at first sight. Oh. So, uh, well, you know, in my profession, I tend to be very relaxed. You know, I don't adopt that guru attitude that I know better. I have all the answers. Yes, God, the gods speak through me. You know, it, it's, it's not like that with me. You know, all I do is to translate a message, you know, via visuals because I see the cards and then I make that translation to the client, the style that I work is predictive. You know, uh, there are some people that say that we cannot predict the future. I totally disagree. That is possible, and um, that's what I do. In hmm. fact, 
in the, in the psychotherapeutic field, you know, um, there are different quests, isn't it? Uh, when I have a psychic client, the quest is when. When I have a therapeutic client, the quest is how and why that happened to me. Mm. So, you know, I, I enjoy seeing these different contrasts. So I live in London. I just arrived from Brazil and uh, had to go through the whole quarantine business and all that. So I'm still getting to terms with coming back to normal life. But that's me. I live on my own with my cat, Ruby. You've got a cat called Ruby. That, now that's nice. But look, let me, uh, you know, Discover Energy Work is really about um, kind of asking you the, um, the questions or, or asking you for stories about your, your journey. So you, you said to me yesterday, you started like really early, you started having kind of psychic experiences. I think you said like five or something. Yes. So what happened there? Well, uh, in a way, you know, I can say that I was lucky because my parents, they are very spiritual. My father and my mother. So, you know, when I was five, I was already displaying psychic abilities. Like I used to have dreams, you know, about running with the gypsies. And then I didn't think, you know, my parents or my parents and that was my house you know I wanted to go back to my house and there was obviously no house to go back to and uh, but that was a phase and I used to see you know my grandfather who passed away uh, two weeks before I was born but that is you know I think children are more how, how did you know it was your grandfather I mean like like because I made the descriptions to my mother. She made inquiries about that. Oh, wow. But, uh, you know, that is actually a very common occurrence uh, in children because we are not really truly conditioned yet, you know, to say, oh, yeah, it's not, you know, oh, my God, you are dreaming. Mm. So, but when I was nine, uh, I had a Lenormand deck at home, and this is because all my, you know, my mother basically she had four sisters uh and they all loved psychics you know so they had like a little lenormand deck just to pick a card a day and just to have at home you know and i took that deck and i went downstairs to the parking lot and i started doing readings uh, i remember it was the world cup you know, it was 1986. I remember like if it was today and people used to do barbecues, you know, in the, I used to live in this um, blocks, you know, building of blocks, yeah. like um, closed, um, closed state. And then they were doing these barbecues and all that. And I thought, well, what a lovely time for me to do reading. So I went with a cardboard box, <laughs> put my little table there. And uh, yes, at the end of the day, my little bag was full of chocolates and coins. Right. So that was really my first attempt. But, you know, my childhood went really, uh, it was not a very happy childhood, but also not a very unhappy one. Uh, 
it was when I was a teenage that things really kicked off with mm. me. You know, I was diagnosed with depression when I was 15. Mm. I had a few family problems, uh, you know. Then I decided that I didn't want really to study anymore. I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to do anything. You know, I was just getting in trouble. Mm. But Taro and Lenormand were the only things really that I wanted to do and I felt I could do well. So I became a professional reader really when I was 19 and I was traveling around Brazil. I went to Sao Paulo, I went to Belém near the Amazon and all that. Uh, but then I came to England. You know, I came here as a foreign student uh, to spend like, you know, one academic year. And I ended the academic year, uh, didn't do any readings at that time. I went back to Brazil and then I met my ex-husband. And he didn't really agree with that, not with the psychic side of it. But, you know, I think there was a bit of a stigma that, you know, he didn't want his wife to be well known in Guildford. <laughs> As a very like, um, you know, I would say a little town, a very English town that is a bit conservative, yeah. uh, you know, his wife to be like a tarot reader. But I voluntarily stopped for seven years, you know. There's a really funny thing, you know, I remember one of my family, um, my, one of my dad's friends got healed of an incurable sickness. Um, and my, when my dad told me about it, it was hushed tones. It's like, look, don't tell anyone, but this happened. And I'm like, but that's the greatest thing ever. Why would you not talk about it? Like all, all people, all, all politicians, all people in business want to know. So basically what's the coming trends? Can you tell me like, why would, why would we not be interested in these things? Like it's the yeah. best ever. And yet in it, I, at least I know, it used to be in England, I don't know what it's like now, but it used to be, it's like, yeah, don't don't mention that this thing happened and don't believe it, for God's sake, or don't openly admit you believe it. That's yeah, for me, stigma. you know, there is a stigma, and for me it was a cultural clash, you know, because in mm -hmm. Brazil, at least when I lived there, now Brazil is becoming a bit too evangelical, but that is still like a massive spiritual movement there. Brazil is a spiritually powerful place. Mm, mm. So I came from a culture that everything is spiritual. You know, my family used to go to mediumship sessions, spiritual churches. Mm. My father was a Freemason. Then he became involved with Fumbanda, that is the Afro-Brazilian religion so mm. i came from all with all that baggage you know to be told that actually uh hush hush this is not what we do here you know you keep your mouth shut and mm. and all that so there was uh, that kind of stigma but anyway the divorce happened <laughs> you know um seven right. years later the divorce happened and i started and i just picked up but you, you were know, telling me, like you told me yesterday, you, you you got married and you said, like, on your honeymoon, you took this walk and you said, like, you got this message. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry because I'm, like, dragging you out of you. Is that really yeah. private? I mean, can I ask about that? No, no, there is really nothing much that's private anymore, you know. You can <laughs> ask me anything. 
<laughs> no, what happened is that, you know, I always had this voice, this actually voiceless voice, because mm. that is what it is, you know, mm. it's not a voice that I hear the thunder in my ears, you know, mm. but it's a voiceless voice. And when I met my ex-husband, we were in Carnival in Brazil. And, you know, that was really like in the end of the 90s and everything. You know, it was a lovely time of debauchery and all that. So I was not expecting much. But then there was the voiceless voice who, who said, this is going to be your husband. So you don't have to worry. It's going to be okay." And it was okay, you know. Uh, and when I got married, uh, we went in this beautiful honeymoon in Cornwall, and I was walking along sometimes in the morning. And again, the voiceless voice came and said, you know, this is not going to be your last marriage. And to hear that in my honeymoon was shattering. But then you have two choices, you know. You first have to live in the moment because my marriage was happy until the end, you know. We didn't really wait until misery took over. We separated with respect. It was a very friendly divorce, as friendly as it can be. But I knew that that was not going to be forever. And that is challenging, you know. And this is why sometimes I didn't really want to have this ability because I don't call it a gift. This isn't a gift. You know, when people say gift, it's like you are more special than other people. And I, I, I am a bit, you know, I try to distantiate myself from these jargons. But many times I desired not to have this ability. But there were other times, you know, that a, a very strange story happened to me. That was, I mean, that was weird. I was coming back from Spain and I landed at Gatwick. I think it was like three o'clock in the morning, you know, and that was like, I was broke. I spent all my money in Spain and all that. And then I was looking, uh, there were no buses. I had to wait until like six o'clock in the morning, five o'clock to get the first train, the first bus, the first whatever, you know. So I was like, oh, I'm going to sit here with my luggage, you know, and wait for the time. And, you know, I had money in my credit card, but I just didn't want to spend. Then comes this guy, you know, um, normal looking. But I couldn't see the end of his head. <laughs> but that didn't occur to me at the time, you know. And he said, are you looking for a taxi? And I said, um, yeah, I am looking for a taxi. And he said, well, you will be my last client today, my last passenger today. And I said, all right, but look, I'm going to Vauxhall and I don't have much money. And he said, oh, don't worry. You know, it's going to be like around 50 quid. And um, I said, okay. And I don't know why I said, okay, because usually I'm very cautious with these things, you know. He said, but my car is in the parking of Gatwick Airport. And I thought, what kind of taxi driver is this? You know, his car should be in 
in the taxi rank, but I went, there was an invisible force that just pulled me that way. I said, okay. So, you know, we arrived, it was a black car in the parking. And I said, isn't, isn't it strange that your car is in the parking lot? And he said, oh no, it's because you know, you are my last client. And I said, okay. And then I said, look, you know, if you don't mind, I'm just writing the car, you know, the car inscription in the back, the car, the number plate. Number plate, yeah. He said, all right. So I wrote it down just to scare him a bit. And I just sat straight behind him where he could not see what I was doing. You know, I, and I intended to call someone to say that I lived alone. There was nobody. Anyway, we started a very pleasant conversation, you know, and, uh, and he was talking about life and about, you know, how my trip was in Spain. And he was saying, yeah, I know it was a bit disappointing, wasn't it? And I thought, actually, yes. You know, I expected more from blah, 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 blah. You know, the time went and I remember going through his window, you know, I was seeing London like at 3.40 in the morning. It was beautiful, really. Mm. And then we arrived at my flat in Vauxhall. I took the luggage and I said to him, look, just a minute. I just like with my luggage here and I said, look, just a minute, you know, I'm just going to get my card and, and all that. When I looked back, I swear to God, Richard, the car was gone. Amazing. Completely gone. You were in a ghost cab. I think so. Yeah. Because even if the car was gone, like I would see the engine. I mean, I'm a driver. I would see the road and the car disappeared. The car was gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've had a similar, well, in that it shouldn't have disappeared. Something shouldn't have disappeared in the time that it disappeared and it had disappeared. Yeah, it like vanished within, within seconds. Like it's just gone. That that a similar thing happened to me. Um, um, but but that's a longer story. Um, so I can I can totally relate to that. Um, and yeah, did you did you do anything with the number plate? Did you try and sort of find out you know who is that guy or? I didn't actually. You know, I was so shocked. You know, and remember, in that time, I was not very prolific in the Internet. I think that was 2009, you know, Facebook and all that was just coming up. Oh, and, absolutely, yeah. You know, I didn't even have um, nothing on my mobile. My mobile was a Nokia, you know. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really have that knowledge that I have today that I would straight go into number plates and, and all that, but it was definitely a ghost. Yeah, task. yeah. Because, not? you know, he, how he knew that my trip to Spain was disappointing, you know, and I, I couldn't see the end of his head, you know. <laughs> I realized that, but maybe because I'm very short, I'm only four foot 11, I thought, well, you know, whatever. And for me to go, the car was in the parking lot, you know, I mean... And I have like, you know, similar stories. You had all your luggage and everything. It, it, it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's fascinating. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's also, well, there's a lot of aspects to that, isn't there? There's a lot of aspects to it. Um, like you won't be the first person that's been transported in a mysterious way. Yes. So, yeah. It's that, um, I mean, I, I imagine that um, it's like many people, you know, a lot of us, even though we, you know, we are involved in this area, we sort of almost doubted ourselves. So that can't be, you know what I mean? Um, I don't. Oh, you don't? Oh, that's good. No. No, I don't. So I don't. Did you have like, because I, I remember, you know, I was saying I lived in Brazil and we had, um, we had a, ma a maid and she did... Um, Macumba. Macumba, which is Umbanda, which is what, what my dad also Pre ended up. Preto, Preto. She did that. that. Yes, I grew up in that environment. This is why I don't doubt anything. I have seen things in Umbanda that you cannot believe. Would you want to try know? me? Can you tell me things in Umbanda? Yes, I mean, you know, yes. My aunt's... Um, partner his father was a Umbanda priest you know and I saw that man really completely possessed you know dancing I'm not talking about going very fast from A to B dancing on a floor full of glasses on fire I am talking about that. Yeah. No. Not like you. running like Tony Robbins. You run from... No, I'm talking about dancing. Right. Not very worried about anything, you know. I have seen things. I mean, there is a story that is, is a bit illegal, but I am going to tell you that, you know. I was a very bad student and, you know, I, I was, I don't know if I was dyslexic or if I didn't care and all that, but basically I was having very low scores, especially maths. I was never very good at that. So I asked him to help me to pass my exams. And I had done an exam that I knew I was going to fail. I knew because I hadn't studied. I just she didn't care, but I wanted to pass because I was afraid of my dad's reaction. He was like, you know, not a man to be messed with. So I went to Bell. His name was Bell. And I, please, please, you know, and I think uh, people like that, you know, there is something about being a teenager that is very naive. You know, I was not asking to be rich and powerful. I was not asking. I was asking to, you know, <laughs> not to be beaten up by my dad, that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and I think it's heartwarming. And he said, okay, you give me the name of your school and the address and your name and your date of birth. Anyway, all my records disappeared. I had to do another exam. And in that one, I was more prepared. All my records disappeared. Yeah. I mean, I, you're not the first person to say this to me. Um, I had a friend um, that would 
he'd do it for himself. He'd say, oh, you know, I've got a, I'm, I'm going to change my bills. Yeah. And he would just like, you know, he'd do this thing and, and his credit card bill will come back with a different, different answer to yeah. you know, the amount he'd spend. I mean, you know, it's kind of, it's the other side. It's a little bit like the manipulative side that I don't really, I, honestly, I don't really get involved in myself because I'm, I'm just not like that. But, um, but the, I know it exists. And, um, um, and I think, you know, when we're talking, the goal of the podcast is to let people know that certain things exist. And if they do happen, you know, don't freak out that much. You're not the first person it's happened to. And if something is is um, happening to you in in a in a difficult way, um, at least you can put it in some framework. Yeah, that yeah. there may be energies or spirits or or whatever. So how does the how does uh, we talked actually? There's two things. So one is like how do you think the the clairvoyance works to be able to see into the future? But the other one is I you you mentioned like it's it's two-sided and I was saying like um, the German for clairvoyant is truth sayer. And yes, I love that. Right. It's Wahrsager and then Wahrheit is true. So Wahr, true sayer. Um, and, um, you know, when you like me as a healer, cause that's tends to be where I focus the bit that we don't want to look at the bit that we don't want to see uh, is often the bit which is causing us pain. It's, yes. It's, it's the difficulty. Um, and I feel that, you know, again, would you have gone into a marriage knowing that it was not going to be successful? So you had to, mm. to a certain extent, you had to not see that future deliberately to allow yourself to go into the experience. Um, yes. And so, um, yeah. I mean, I find it all the time for myself, you know, that I'm hiding things from myself um, and that if I knew certain things, then I probably wouldn't, wouldn't have gone through certain experiences uh, in the first place that's, so you know, hidden from me. And then working with clients, I find that, you know, as I say, like their sickness comes from something they don't want to see. That it's, it's generally, if somebody says I've got this sickness, I could almost say, well, that's probably exactly what it's not about. Um, mm. It's about something else because nobody knows why they've got their own sickness because they hide it from themselves. Yes, uh, there is some resistance, you know. Um, what you touched is extremely important, especially for people who want to go into this field. When I give my workshops or my lectures and sometimes even readings, you know, many people say, I want to develop my gift. I want to work with spirit. I want to become a medium. I want to become a tarot reader and all that. And, you know, sometimes <laughs> I am even well known as like the prophetess of doom, you know, because that is the other side of it. That is, it's not like, you know, it's a coin. It's the flip side of the coin. As you said, we are truth seers. We cannot choose what you are going to see. We cannot filter. I'm only going to see wonderful things. You know, tell me all about the positive faults. I mean, my dad very recently passed away. This is why I went to Brazil. He passed away 
on the 20th of April, I left the UK knowing that he was going. You know, mm. I knew he was going. And then all those, you know, very well-intentioned friends saying, oh, maybe you are too stressed and you are just like, you know, um, is it not a prediction? Is, is they stress talking? But I knew he was going. And that was that. I was not prepared for the rest that followed, that seven other people went. But I knew that. So when you know, you know. Is the positive and the, and the challenging. You know, you cannot pick and choose. So to, to be like what you beautifully said, uh, a truth seer is to see the truth and to work with the truth. You know, mm. that is the key for that. Now, the question, how can the future be predicted? Uh, I have my own, um, I would say, my own thesis about this. Okay. For example, I think that there is a big difference between karma and destiny. No, your karma is your spiritual CV that cannot be changed. Is what you have done, is there, is like a document. Mm -hmm. Numbers cannot be changed. So it's very clear cut. Destiny is what you do with the karma that you bring. For example, Karma is the rain, is the winter. The winter is going to happen, whether we like it or not. In the UK, in December, it's going to be winter. That is it. It cannot be changed. It's a law of nature. Mm. Destiny is what I do with that. Am I going to wear an umbrella? Am I going to travel to a hot country? Am I going to be home? Whatever. So we can move your destiny, but not our karma. Now, my belief is that we are all born with the insight of what we are here to do. What's the mission? What's the path? Obviously, we don't remember everything for our own good, but we do have a sense of what we are here for. But Richard, life happens. You know, problems come, children work, responsibilities, you know, it's not clear cut all the time. So usually things get a bit fuzzy and that is the time when someone chooses to see a psychic mm. because things are a bit fuzzy. Mm. And my job as a psychic is to speak to the part of that person who knows the past, the present, and the future. So I connect with that spirit. You know, I connect with the essence who knows that. Because you, the essence knows. And then once I connect with that, predictions will inevitably come true. And that is when people say, my God, everything that Michelle says is true. No, that's it. I got it from your spirit, obviously with the help of 
my guides and all that. But you know, that is the secret. And if I make a mistake in regions, it's because I was unable to connect with that. And that's why I always tell my students, if you don't connect, if you don't feel the connection is there, mm. it's not your fault. It's not someone else's fault. Just stop the region. Wow. Because it's no longer a region. You are going to be fishing for information. The person is going to be angry. You know, you need to connect. You need to go full on and just see what is there. So that is why there have been seers, prophets all over the world since the beginning of time. Even in the Bible, they are there. This is nothing new. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's true. It's, um, it seems, though, that certain people have um, more of, um, um, and maybe I'm you know, wrong, but I mean, it seems certain people have a more of a um, attraction to that yeah. whole, you know, looking into the future, looking into the past and, and um, uh, enjoying the landscape. You know, the, the future landscape is like this, past landscape is like yeah. this. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. So have you had any, um, you know, people that've come for a reading and you've managed to give them advice that sort of saved their lives? Would you say that? I mean, I can, what I can say, yeah. what I can say, okay, is that obviously respecting and safeguarding the client, you know, because if the client sees this interview, he or she knows I will be talking about them. So I need to be extremely careful here because I am very discreet. I don't take pictures with clients. I don't ask for testimonials. There are plenty in my Facebook page, but no one will ask by me, you know? Mm -hmm. For me, it's like I, you don't need to hear news from me by email and all that. You come and you go, you know? But uh, I had a client from a certain country in Asia that had uh, a very abusive marriage that she wants to escape from, she wanted to escape from. Mm. And in order for her to escape, she had to leave the country. She couldn't live in the UK. Okay. So she was my client. She is still my client for many, many years. And then she made her plan that I was going to do this. She was going to do that. And then, you know, all the plans and all that. And we looked at the cards and it was perfect. And then she was shaking you know, because if this guy got hold of the plan, I mean, and she needed to act seven days before, like taking money from the account, doing payments and all that, 
you know, it, it's, it's not just pack the clo clothes and go to Heathrow. There is a whole thing happening behind. So she was um, doing that. And when the day came, you know, she came here to say goodbye. And I gave her a stone. And I said, look, just believe that everything is going to be okay. You know. So she obviously, there was no real power in my stone, but I knew she trusted me so much that that would be a comfort. I said, I am there with you in that stone. If you are holding that stone, I'm holding your hand. Think like that. Mm. You know? So she went through the airport and everything went well. Mm. So when she arrived at her destination, she immediately asked for a divorce, which she got it. And she is very happy living in another country. The husband is here. The children are here, but she is no longer in harm's way, let's put it this way, because right. she acted in a very clever way. But then she said to me that when she was going through the customs, you know, she was very worried that somebody would question her because of the religion or because of the way things were. I cannot really disclose that much detail. I and I know you will appreciate that. But then she said that she held the stone and felt as if she was invisible. Nobody talked to her. Nobody, nobody looked at her. She just went through customs like that, you know. And of course she went because this is a free country. But she was mentioning the country that she arrived, that they could have asked where is your husband? She just went through. So I think, you know, there is something about the element of trust on that and of the spiritual connection that you develop with some clients, mm. you know, that is unbreakable. This yeah, lady is, it, you it, know... It's I, a challenge, you know. I mean, like, if I think about it, um, for me to um to it's all very well saying you know this great thing's going to happen to you and that great thing's going to happen to you and you you know um when you get a client you say well this looks like you're being abused and this looks like a very difficult situation uh you know i mean that's i can imagine that's that's really difficult uh, thing to say to somebody and then get to the point of like i think you need to you know, get yourself out of harm's way. You know, it's 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 very dangerous. The situation. Yes. Um, that requires a lot of skill. Well, I learned a lot of skill when I was working at Mysteries in Covent Garden. You know, because I worked at Mysteries for many years, and uh, I remember that you know there was one of my colleagues. Um, 
we were finishing our shifts. I was going to for a cigarette outside. This is why I use my vape. You know, I'm in the process of um, getting healed from that addiction. But anyway, <laughs> and they were full of police uh, inside mysteries, the police. And then I thought either there were customers, either someone tried, because at Mysteries, anything could happen. You know, it's a place that attracted odd things. And uh, and when the day actually ended, that we all go downstairs to sign our invoices and, you know, and all that, my colleague was there. And I said, what, what is going on here? Like three policemen, two police women here. Someone tried to steal or something. Then he said, no. What happened is that there was a lady who came for a reading and she disclosed that she was being abused, physically abused, um, in a very bad way. She raised her arms to me and, you know, there was everything there. And I had to stop the reading and call women's aid because she was not really in a position to do a reading. I had to offer her help. Mm. And I had to call women's aid. And at Mysteries, we have this policy, you know, which in the beginning I thought, oh, that's uh, what an exaggeration and all that. But now I understand that he probably saved her life. Yeah. You know, because there are aspects that we cannot really deal with ourselves. Yes, it's, it's famous in the UK. I mean, I had, when I was uh, 23, 24, um, one of my neighbours was, uh, he was beating up his wife and I would be, the children would come over and say, you know, can you call the police? And I'd call the police. And they knew I did Kung Fu and everything. And, um, and the police said, don't walk in there. Don't get involved. This is the most dangerous life-threatening situation you can probably get into the more the you know more deaths and murders from domestic violence and especially somebody stepping between two people they yes. get attacked from both sides yeah they don't get attacked from one side it's like the person who's apparently a victim suddenly turns you get off my husband or whatever you know uh, so it's an incredibly uh, sensitive uh, and dangerous situation and i think I think in the UK now, if if, if um, anybody's hurt in a family, um, they have to prosecute. It's not a question of like, um, yeah. uh, you know, well, this person is pressing charges. It's it's no longer it's no longer a decision that somebody can make make. Yes, treated as a like a felony or a criminal offence, not as a civil thing. Um, yeah. Having said that, you know, there is another dimension to that, because what was witnessed at Mysteries was a severe case of life threat, you know, and all that. Now, when I travel to other countries, for example, I have clients in Saudi Arabia, I have clients in Dubai, you know, I love the Middle East. I do have an affinity with the Middle East, actually. Yes. You know, then you are entering a new reality. Would I do that in the Middle East? No, not in a million of years. You know, why that? Because their reality is different. You know, 
and I wouldn't interfere in the culture of a country. For example, you know, for me to call the police in a woman uh, because a woman from in Dubai is suffering domestic violence is unthinkable, really. Uh, me as an outsider, a foreigner, to do that, mm. you know, that is a tribal culture. That is a very different reality. And you need to very sensitively navigate that reality. Because yeah. in some countries, divorce is taboo. A single woman uh, after a certain age is taboo. So what I would do in such a case is refer to someone who lives there who is an Emirati, an Arab-speaking person who can be a therapist. Right. Not me as a foreigner saying, oh, you know, because yes, in the UK we prosecute because women, you know, we rule as female power. It doesn't work like that. It's disrespectful. So, you yeah. know, when you work abroad and you, you have lived abroad for many years, you know, we have the benefit of seeing countries not as we would like them to be, but as they are. Mm. And we work with the realities as they are, not as we would like them to be, mm. you know? And to be a healer, to be a psychic, is not about you changing the world, <laughs> you know, is about giving insight and improving someone's life in the way that you can and that is not harmful to the other person. I'd like to touch on something you mentioned yesterday, and I think this might be relevant to a lot of people. You went through a phase where you were quite uh, involved in narcotics, involved in taking drugs. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I, I felt um, that so many people who are having psychic experiences, they don't know how to deal with, they don't know where to put them. Uh, sometimes they want to run away and um, will, you know, deaden their themselves by taking drugs. Do you think that played a role for you? Totally. Totally. Mm -hmm. You know, that did play a role for me, Richard. Uh, well, you know, I started drinking when I was around 15. And since the very beginning, you know, I remember how it clicked. It just clicked just made me feel different. I was in another world. Having said that, I'm a Piscean, so escapism suited me very well. Mm. You know? So uh, the drinking got considered considerably worse. Um, by 20, you know, I was drinking really very heavily. And I wasn't really the bench drinker, alcoholic. I was never arrested. I never drink every day, you know. 
but that was a huge binge drinker. And obviously that escalated to cocaine, you know, uh, pills, amphetamines, mm. downers, uppers, whatever you wanted, you know, cannabis as well. But the cannabis actually came much later. The cannabis came when I finished everything else, you know. And of course, I had a, um, a difficult family life, okay? And I wanted to escape. There was that. But from a spiritual perspective, you know, it's like when you are in oblivion, you are in a certain way in contact with the divine because you are out of it. Mm. So where do you go? It's not you there anymore. Mm. You know? So it's like going back to source. Mm. And uh, when I was married, you know, I used that as self-medication. Because I was suddenly in a culture that was not my culture. I, was, I found it very oppressive, the whole system you know in, in Guildford and all that so it was self-medication but when I numbed myself I had more or less the same sensation that I have today when I do a very deep meditation you go out you are not part of life anymore you know and what happens is that for example, two very strange things, you know, with uh, the drinking. I believe that at certain times I was possessed. Really? You know? Yeah. So, so what was, was possessed? You? Who was possessing you? You know, because what I think is that there are a lot of lots of earthbound spirits that used to be alcoholics, you know, and they are looking for someone to vampirize. But on an, in another way, you know, in Brazil, especially Macumba, Umbanda, you know, we have the spirits of the night, Pombagira, which is really like the, the female. I would say the night female, you know, the lady of the night, you know, the spirit of that woman that is the bout, that is free, you know, because I remember when I used to go to places, I only paid for the first drink if I was alone. That was that. Mm. No serious accidents happened to me. You know, it's, it's impossible. I mean, because I was out of my mind, you know, and of course, bad things happened. I was not immune, you know, but I, I mean, I could be dead today, you know. So with drink, my psychic abilities probably expanded to a certain point because then when I was out completely out of it, no, I, I, was, I was out. But with cocaine, it was the opposite. Mm something closed it was the pure ego the shadow that comes forward mm. you know 
while drinking brought up the hurt, the wounded child, the playful child. Yeah, everybody's my friend. Hey, you know, I was I, I was not a violent drunk. I was like a messy party time, you know, until I became very unwell. And I was drinking on my own because nobody really wanted to babysit me at parties because I was becoming a liability, really. But with cocaine was different. It was ego. There was um, another part of me that was very shadowy and very conscious. Mm. You know, because you don't have blackouts with cocaine, at least on my, my case. I had blackouts with drinking. Right. That I didn't know where I was, what I've done, what I did, you know, the apologies and all that. So, uh, and in the end, I could feel that it was affecting my my psychic abilities because I was becoming very depressed. I already suffer from depression, you know. I was becoming, I was giving up on life. I really wanted to die, you know. But then there was a night here at home because by that time I was drinking alone. I didn't want to go to pubs, you know, I didn't want to go. I wanted, and this is the spiritual part. You want to be alone with the remedy, with the medicine Mm -hmm. that is going to be the bridge between you and the other world, because there is another world. Mm -hmm. Is a parallel world. Either drink or drugs, you are in a parallel world. Parallel. I hope I'm sounding right here. Because, you know, drunks, have you noticed, they stick with drunks in parties. If you are not drunk, you don't fit in because it's a parallel reality. You know, coke heads, you know, they are there with the drunks, but they, you know, the cocaine is is very ceremonial. You go to the toilet. You go, you know, that is that is the whole thing, you know, that sharing and all that, you know, mm. and even the cannabis, you know, you pass around so that up as a group of people wanting to enter a, another state. Mm. Anyway, I was the, the end really, there was no big end. I woke up in a coma in a hospital because that never happened to me. As I said, I was more of a binge drinker, but very heavy. There was a lot of damage, you know, a lot of people that I hurt. Uh, I mean, uh, it was carnage in the end, Mm. really bad, you know. And even in my marriage as well, I was not a great wife by any means at all, you know. Anyway, I was here and I thought, you know what? I really want to die because there is no point in living. Mm. Why am I here, you know? And then again, and I was pissed, you know, <laughs> sorry, I'm sweating, I'm out of my head. Right. And then the voiceless whisper, the same voiceless voice that said I would marry, I would divorce and, and all that came back and said, no, you are not going to die. But if you continue this way, you are going to suffer an accident that's going to leave you in a wheelchair. But don't think you are going to die because even if you try, it's not going to happen. You will survive and you will finish your life here. But it's up to you how that end is going to be. But you will not die. 
and then I was terrified, you know, because I mean, to suffer an accident I, I, and, and not to be able to actually commit suicide, you know, and mm. all that, or it's not going to happen. You will not die even if you try. So I decided that enough was enough, really. I wanted to try another way of life. You know, I wanted to try. So um, I went into some rooms that they exist in the world. I found an amazing woman who is a great friend of mine today, who was on my wavelength, you know, not a preacher, not someone like you are gonna do someone who knew how to he, he she knew how to handle me very well because I was unmanageable. I was a loose cannon. And then, you know, I knew that I have to change my friends. I had to change my reality. I had to change everything. I left my job because, you know, my background really is that I worked with the vulnerable. I was a support worker, then a housing officer, key worker, homeless, addicts, prostitutes, traffic, human traffic, you know. And I ended up working in mental health for five years in Richmond here. And... Uh, and this woman said to me, look, you know, uh, your life is going to change, really. So I left my job. I almost went bankrupt, really, because I also finished my course in counseling. But I couldn't find a job because I had the diploma, but not the experience, you know. Anyway, she said, don't worry, you know. You are on your path. Get sober and things will be okay. Mm. 2014 was that year that I look back very fondly because I was getting well every day. You know, I could feel myself and I was becoming myself. Mm. I was, I really felt that, you know, if all the crunches, crutches out, I was learning how to walk. It's like a child learning to go on a bike without the two little wheels mm, on the side. Mm, you know, mm. I was relearning to live life because sobriety doesn't teach you to live without drink. Uh, to to get, you know, sobriety is not about giving up the drink. Sobriety is about dealing with life, life as it is. That is the deal. Mm. And then in 2015 when I was really like coming to the end, I was already on benefits by that time. And I mean, the humiliation, you know, I used to be a housing officer. I used to give houses to people. Now I was in the other side of the queue, mm. being seen by my ex-colleagues. I mean, that was a lesson in humility, mm. you know. Anyway, I started to knock from door to door, looking for work as a psychic, and then mystery took me, and my life changed. In one year, I was in Hong Kong. And then Dubai came, Singapore came, Japan came, mm -hmm. and there were like, you know, talks about trips to LA and all that, but I was unable to do that. So... You know, there was that trust. And that is when really my psychic abilities really came forward, like, because there was no more filter. Mm. You know, I, I had uh, alliances with cannabis, you know, um, 
I was not really completely fully sober, sober. And I thought that, yeah, cannabis is all right, you know, because it opens your consciousness and all that. But even then, there was a time that was not all right anymore. Because, you know, I was not using cannabis to open my mind and connect with my essence. No, I was using cannabis to sit in my sofa and spend my whole afternoon watching Lord of the Rings 1, 2, 3. So, you know, I was, I was like, you know, using cannabis to listen to Pink Floyd all afternoon and thinking, yeah, the wall, you know, I'm in the wall, we are prisoners in there. You know, I, it was a lot of bollocks, really. So I, I stopped that as well. So today I am a big drinker of water and juices and other things. Because I do have, I think, addictive personality, which I wouldn't say is a bad thing. But if you know how to deal with that in a productive way, is wonderful. Mm. You know, is wonderful. And it's, it's the healing that goes inside. You know, there was a lot of self-forgiveness that I had to do with myself. Because, you know, addicts, we... We hurt ourselves mm. more than other people. But drinking um, was becoming my best friend. And, be, and it was becoming my best friend because, Richard, with all the abilities that you have as a healer, and I have experienced as well, you know, your healing and it's fabulous, is out of the world, but you cannot compete with booze. Because booze takes you to a new dimension, brings you into oblivion, you know. And I think we, um, addicts, really, we want to go back to source. It, it's interesting. The German word for addiction is sucht, and it means to seek. Um, well. And it's not like addict, like, you know, I've got to, I've got to take something. It's like I'm on a journey. I'm looking for something. So... So um, you can kind of understand it. Um, and then I feel that, well, I, I, I worked in an addict's clinic um, in Germany. I was doing the body, um, body and movement therapy there. And um, we, we'd say addicts are the nicest, nasty people. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, because they know how to manipulate. Everything. Yeah. They're the nasty, nasty people. Yeah. So, um, and I always say to people, like, it's so much easier when you, you know, somebody's nasty, you can, you get it. But somebody seduces you, get, you know, gets your trust and then, then they screw you over. Well, you know, over if you, and if you over again. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Yeah. The manipulation is endless, which in a way is a spiritual power. Well, it, it's it um, is it, yes, it's very it's much spiritual betrayal. It's betrayal, yeah. It's um, there's this uh, betrayal bonding. Yeah. yeah. That's Look, isn't interesting to see that the name of some drinks are spirits? Mm. Absolutely. I drink spirits. You know, I mean, I don't, but I drink spirits. In his spirit, his spiritum, you know, even Carl Jung, um, he, he discussed that, you know, that what 
addict's sick is the spiritual experience. And this is why, in my very humble opinion, I don't hold all the answers. I'm only talking about my experience, okay? Mm. Everybody has their own path. If you are in this path, my experience was that in the same way that it was a spiritual, I would say, challenge that I had to go through, Mm. it was only through spiritual awakening that I could get out of. Mm. It's fascinating. I mean, I feel like, um, you know, with your um, counselling degree, your real-life experience of being an addict um, and coming back from being an addict, along with your psychic... I, you see, I, I think there's an energy work, which is like you, you see something and you get a message. And then I think there's spirit work where you're connecting with uh, another, I'll call it another dimension, which I think it's like above psychic. I, that's what I call it. It's like you're the masters or the, you know, the, the entities or whatever they are that are, that are working behind the scenes in, in our lives. Um, that's a whole other thing, but it sounds like you've got quite a like a broad, um, um, a broad. I'm trying to think of the word. Like if somebody comes to you, you've got so many more tools and experience that you can share with somebody to say, okay, yeah, I I get you, I, I understand, and I can see it from so many different ways. Um, that yes. your brand of healing, how can I say, your brand of healing, your brand of advice, you well. You've got the whole side where you're like a, a, a wise woman who's like a coach, a mentor to somebody. And then you've got a, somebody who says, okay, I need, I need the lowdown. I've got, some, I've got some things coming up and I'm a bit worried about them. Um, and you've got those two things. Just that, I don't think I explained yeah. that very well. It, I, got, I got what I got, you know, the message. It's uh, yes, you know, that is, you know, is... When we work with healing or when we work in the holistic field, I would say, you know, we are dealing with people who have issues or problems, but sometimes I don't like to use the word problem because it's labeling, you know, it's, it, this is why uh, more alternative sources of psychotherapy are becoming undated really, because we only see someone as a problem. You are paranoid, you are schizophrenic, you are depressed, you are, you know, I don't know, whatever, it's so many labels that, you know, it's it's only one part of you. Being depressed is only one part of you. You have thousands of other dimensions to your personality. So I would rather say that people either therapeutically or psychically, they come to me because they have a quest to explore, Mm. to resolve, okay? Mm. Now, a psychic client, the main thing is when, because they want the predictive. What's going to happen? When and how? Mm. A therapeutic client, you know, I do humanistic existential therapy, 
So, you know, I'm not really very Freudian. I am more like Carl Rogers, Jung, Victor Franco, and so on. It's more existential, really. So a therapeutic client comes, the quest is different, is why that happened to me? Why am I here? Where am I going? And how? Mm. And the key really is to know how to separate this. This is why in most cases, I refrain from giving psychic readings to my therapeutic clients or to be a therapist to clients who have come to me to tarot readings. You know, the reason that I separate this is to preserve not only the integrity of the work, for example, if you come to me to see a psychic, you don't wanna be therapized. You know, there is nothing more annoying in my opinion that a psychic who therapizes the client in such a way that there is no psychic region, there's just a semi-therapy. You know, like for example, Richard comes to me. Michelle, have a look at the cards, you know? And I go, look, Richard, but you know, you, you really need to raise your vibration. You need to look at your energy. You need to, you need to, no. Mm. Richard came to me to know what the cards are saying about his work, his life, his, his prospects. He doesn't want me to tell him that. In the same way that, you know, a therapist client may not even believe in tarot cards, may not even believe in God, mm. and I am there at the same time mystifying the person. You know, imagine if I have a, a, a client that doesn't believe in any of that and I impose, no, because the universe is holding you. This client would say, look, I just had a trauma and you are telling me that the universe is holding me. So it's important for me to maintain that integrity. Having said that, there is a point with some people, you know, that you can unify that. But you, you need to be extremely skillful to do that. I, I'm relieved that you said that because I feel that uh, so many of the um, drives that we have, they are psychic in origin. So many of the, even the, uh, like I'm, I've got this, this thing I've got to do in my life. It, it's manifesting as I don't know, a... Um, uh, marital problem or it's manifesting as a job problem or it's but uh, on a deep level it, you know they are um, deep sometimes I say even like karmic um, karmic origins um, and yeah but I mean but I, I agree with you I think there's only a certain how can I say there's only a certain level of client that could even get that um, yes. and that you're able to you're able to pick them up where they are, as they, as they say, pick them up where they are and then help them understand the journey. Yes. Mm. 
nice. And the client needs to be open, you know. I mean, when I have had many clients that they come to me very upset because they have been to other people who are therapizing them, that they say, well, you know, I'm here, but, you know, uh, the cards don't predict the future. It's all about self-knowledge and all that, which is fair enough. That is your style. But then don't say that you are psychic clairvoyant if you cannot deliver the predictions. Right. Fascinating. Oh, I'm, I'm so thrilled. I was so fascinated and thrilled with my reading. I, we, we've overrun on time, but I've really enjoyed it. Um, it's been so, I, I feel like um, you've got so much to offer, so much experience. And when, like you say, when somebody's asking for some advice about the future, so do you just like, because we've run out of time anyway, so like, do you say to somebody who comes back every week, say, look, not every week, this, this is three months, yeah, just like, yeah. honestly, you're wasting your money, you're wasting your time. Let's just come in. Come in every three months and I'll tell you what they say, but don't come every week. Yeah, yeah. I only see every three months at least. You know, I have clients who come twice a year and all that. Mm. Having said that, I have also business clients that they just want a question about should I hire, should I fire, should I do this and do that is a different matter, mm. you know. But yes, you need you need to know how to say no to people, you know, and uh, and also you need to know, uh, for example, yes, you know, there are predictions, but you have to be sensitive about. I mean, I don't talk about death, you know, or, or, or things like that when it's like a very serious health problem. You know, I prefer not to go there if it's a legal problem. You know, I always ex. I always explain my position here. I am not an entertainer because in the UK there are laws saying that we are only for entertainment purposes only. Well, I'm not an entertainer, you know. But what I'm saying here, I'm talking to someone who is independent, capable of making it, you know, his or her own judgments in life. And I only giving my perspective, which is like, a fraction of the many perspectives av available and I take no responsibility, you know. I take responsibility for what I say, but not for what the person does, you know. This is why I only see clients over the age of 21. Lovely, lovely talking to wow. you. Wow. Richard, thank you so much. And, you know, and I have to mention Alicia as well you know, Alicia because she was the one who made the connection. And Alicia is a very dear friend of mine who I met in Hong Kong in the most unlikely circumstances through a practitioner, David Taylor, that is a friend in common. So thank you so much, Alicia, to enable this, this yeah. new friendship. And thank you, Richard. You know, sometimes I think that we probably have met before in other realms in, in all the lives, because nothing really happens by coincidence. I'm so thrilled to be here. And if anybody wants to contact me, you know, they can go to my Facebook page, Deja Vu Tarot, or to my website, www.michelaraujo.co.uk. And I would be so happy to hear from you. I, I will definitely put those links in the show notes, in the description. I'll put them in the podcast. I'll put them in the YouTube. 
so everybody just, uh, you know, like, subscribe and uh, accept notifications and then you'll know when the latest episode of Discover Energy Work comes out. And um, yes, I can thoroughly recommend uh, Michelle for her. Uh, I mean, it's just, um, it's such a pleasure. You say you're not entertaining, but I think you're entertaining. It's such a pleasure talking to you. I just feel sort of lifted by, the, you know, the way that you explain things. So I, I'd have to disagree ever so slightly <laughs> that you're not an entertainer. It's, it's a great pleasure. So thank you. Thank you so much, Richard, and all the best to you as well. When one day our paths will cross in Asia or in the UK or in LA or anywhere. <laughs> as I think me and you, we have been resisting this LA business. One day it may happen. We are meeting in San Francisco, drinking our cocktail, you know, in my yeah. case, a mocktail. <laughs> And, uh, and, you know, seeing all those beautiful people going by. So thank you so, so much and all the best to you and your channel.